You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 60. Bob, we made it to 60. We did. We made it to 60. It's the 60th episode of the Library Pros Podcast. Yeah. How'd that happen? I don't know. So I'm Chris. And I'm Bob. And today we're coming to you from the Uniondale Public Library in Nassau County, New York. The Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Remember to join our email subscription service on our webpage, thelibrarypros.com, and please consider leaving a review or tell a friend or colleague about us. And please check us out on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Library Pros. Okay, so joining us today is a whole group of awesome librarians who do amazing work here. We have Sintisha Kendrick Samuel. I got that right, right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. Don't forget, Mike's over there. Oh. <laughs> Let me get closer. Yeah, that okay. perfect. Okay, and we also have, let's see, Amanda Borgia? Borgia, yeah. Okay. And you guys are teen, right? Correct. Okay. And we have Michelle Minveri? Minervini. Minervini. Yeah. I was close. And Deborah, oh boy, I'm not even going to try. Ken Irons. Thank you. And James? Grisbowski. There you go. You missed the eye. <gasps> yeah, well, you know. I should know with a terrible last name like mine. Um, and you guys are children's, right? Yes. That's right, because you guys were hunting bears before. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we caught a big one. And then Valerie French and Robert Weiss and Deborah. Why do I have you here twice? It's because I fun. don't know how to write a script. That's why. She's very important. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you guys are the adult department. So I'm actually the bilingual librarian, Spanish speaking. Ah, so I, until recently, was in children's. Now I'm an adult, but I really serve the whole library. Excellent. So thanks for having us today and uh, entertaining us today with uh, all of our equipment issues and all the other fun stuff. So we're going to speak to the group today about some of the amazing things that we're doing here at Uniondale. You're doing here at Uniondale. But let's chat with you guys first and get to know more about what, where you guys are from and all, your, all the fun stuff. So let's go around the room and everyone give us your names and obviously where you work in the library and a little bit about um, where you've worked in the past and maybe a little bit of a, a bio. So, Santish, you want to start? Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure. You're good. Okay. So I've, this will be my 15th year at Uniondale come November 16th. I was way back when. I was a full-time trainee at Peninsula Public Library over in the five towns. And in between, I've worked part-time as a Sunday librarian at Wine Danch and at Valley Stream. And I started as the young adult librarian here. Uh, was, that's back when we had youth services. And then in 2013, I became head of teen services when the department was created. Okay, Mandy, you're up. So my library career started when I was 15 as a page at East Rockaway Library, which is my hometown library. When I, after I graduated from library school, I started there as a part-time librarian and then full-time, then decided I needed to spread my wings and ended up here at Uniondale back in June, working with Sintisha and Teen Services. Very cool. Okay, Michelle, tell us about that bear you caught. It was, it was a big one, but we got scared <laughs> and we had to run away through the grass and the mud and all of that. Um, I'm the head of Children's Services. And UPL is actually my first library job. I started part-time in 2011. Um, then I was brought on full-time, being split between children's and adults. Um, then full-time children, for full-time youth services, when youth services was 
a thing. Um, then I became children's pro- program coordinator, and now I'm head of children's services. Okay, James, you're up. So I started my library career after volunteering for four years at Oceanside. Right when I turned 15, I got a job there. I've been there for seven years, and then I left. And I, I'm aboard on Uniondale as a full-time librarian trainee. So I'm currently enrolled in grad school to become a librarian. And um, yep, that's it. <laughs> okay, Valerie. Um, I work in the reference department. I also started part-time and then moved up to full-time. Uh, I've worked in a few libraries in the past, and my first one was my college library. So that's sort of how I got started. Excellent. Bob, you're up. I uh, am fairly new to library work. I have more of an academic background, and then I went into academic publishing for several years. I uh, became a librarian. My first job was actually at a university library. This is my first public library job. I also started out part-time and then was elevated to full-time. Very cool. And Deborah? Hi. I was, um, before being a librarian, I was a Spanish teacher, and I decided to make a career change, and I started out as a trainee at the Gold Coast Public Library in Glenhead, and before I left to come here, I was buying the adult fiction books, and I've been here for two and a half years as the um, bilingual librarian Spanish speaking. Very cool. So now that we just went around the table, we're going to take a quick break. We usually have a little bit of a bigger segment with this, but because we have so much we want to cover in our main segment, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some of the cool stuff you guys are doing here at Uniondale. So we'll be back in just a minute. So we are back with Santisha, Kendrick, Samuel, and Amanda Borgia. 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 Like the yeah. Italian mafia family. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we went there. Well, we're done. This was nice. Let's go. That was very nice. Remember, don't piss her off. Yeah, don't piss her off. From the teen department, Michelle Minervini. Yes. Got it. Better than you. Yes. Uh, Deborah Kin Irons and James Grisbowski, mm-hmm. with no eye on the script, by the way. From the children's department, Valerie French, Robert Weiss, and Deborah. No, you did it again. I did. Deborah can hires twice. See, I can't write a script. Department. It's terrible. From the adult department. You're up. Okay, so let's start in the teen department. Santisha, first off, congrats on being named a library, move, library journal mover and shaker. That Thank is you. awesome. Thank you very much. And so Santisha and Amanda, let's talk about um, why there was a rebranding of sorts from youth services into a YA services back in 2013. Well, way back when, um, the former department head of youth services, Mrs. Stoppier, she announced her retirement, and that coincided um, with the decision to repurpose the media room into a different space. So it worked out that she was retiring, and our then director, Ms. Trina Reed, just took it to the board, and they decided to create a young adult department and a separate children's department. Uh, Jackie Fitz was the head of children's and I was the head of young adult. So um, it was, uh, for me, it was a great decision because over the years, again, I started way back like in 2004, 
we w- I was able to grow the department under um, D's, Mrs. Coffier's leadership to um, where we went from maybe two programs per month for teens to um, increase collection programs, award-winning programs, growing our volunteer group to the point where we could justify creating its own separate department. That's really cool. So, Amanda? Uh, so that was long before my time, but I think that the teens really do need their own space, so I'm really happy that I work in a library where the teens do have their own space because a 16-year-old is different than a 6-year-old. So. It's so true, and, and, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, they have their own needs and wants, and you can't just lump children, you know, from 17 all the way down to, you know, newborns into the same kind of boat. And in the past, I would say, Bob, about 10 years or so, mm-hmm. teen services has really started to blossom in libraries, both in Nassau and Suffolk County. Definitely, because um, you just look around, a good friend of mine now, she's a director at West Babylon Public Library, Nancy Evans, she was head of teen services at Levittown. Within the industry, she became one of the first teen librarians to become a librarian three that I know of. And it's like, you know, she was one of those who set the example that we all saw that we went from maybe having a cubbyhole or just um, being part of either either reference or children's to where we were actually a viable department and we had an impact within the library itself and within our community. So, I mean, and there are other examples as well, but this is really a good time to be a teen librarian. Absolutely. So um, how does the, the Young Adult Services Department handle outreach? Just going to go and take my question? Sure. I was, why you don't think I'm going to say anything? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have partnerships with the school district and other community groups? (laughs) Yes, we do. And this is something, again, I'm grateful that somehow I ended up here at Uniondale because this was already established when I came here. We have a strong partnership with the uh, school district school media specialists. Um, Each year we have a meeting where we we all share what we're doing within the public realm, and they let us know what they're doing in the schools. And uh, Deborah's going to talk about it a little bit later. We have um, a community monthly meeting called the UVIP meeting where we have a seat at the table. So this connects us to other nonprofit organizations, social service organizations. And once again with the school district, but this time in terms of um, we receive a lot of grant dollars and because of these meetings we get that grant money through a partnership with the school district. You can steal my question. Steal my question. Go no, ahead. Just the first half. I'll do it like you did. So sure. Amanda, tell us about the team blog. And what content is there and who contributes to the material? So right now, I am basically the sole contributor. I'm trying to get teens to contribute. We offer community service hours if they write a book review. I did get one of those so far. But basically, I write two or three book reviews a, um, a week that get posted. And Marissa in the children's department is very kind to proofread them all for me. Because despite being a librarian, spelling and grammar are not my strong suit. So that um, takes up a bulk of it. Every week I post a quote, go a little hipster, posting them on like an image. And I also fill it in with uh, program highlights and just highlighting things in the library, such as our tutor.com and Overdrive and Libby, so they can download books to their phones or in e-readers. And yeah, I'm just growing it over time. It only started back during Teen Read Week is when I launched it. Okay, how long ago was that? Oh, what was Teen Read Week October? 
Don't I never keep track. <laughs> I want to say it was October. So. Okay, it's an off-script question. <laughs> exactly. Uh oh, panic time. Um, have you ever thought of maybe transitioning it into like a, a small mini podcast or something like that? I did, but I feel like there's with like a podcast, it's a lot more structure. And it could be right. No, Sometimes our, our show's not structured. Yeah, not, not well, this no, not show, yeah. show. It's a lot more set up. Mm-hmm. And where you're going to do it, where when I write for the blog, I can do it on my desk in the office or the, on the desk at the reference. Okay. Just to interject. Yeah, sure. We're in the process of hopefully creating a makerspace here and podcasting and having a studio with equipment like this is part of it. So the goal is once we have all of that in place, then we're going to dive into that. Perfect. Perfect. Because I, I can just say from personal experience over at Sachem Library where I'm at, Right now we have five podcasts working out of out of the building, and we've done musical recordings with people. What we had to do in an audition with um, a fellow who was auditioning for the Air Force Orchestra. Uh, we've had um, a vocalist come in and do demo tapes. Uh, we've had voice professional voiceover people doing commercial live reads, and um, some other stuff too. Some other crazy electric guitar and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's amazing to see once you put it out there to see who comes in the door and what they want to do. So it, it it will be a draw, I can guarantee that. Right. And I do think once we have that space, it would be something I would like to do, especially since being in uh, teen services, we don't technically open until the kids are out of school. So I have mornings where I don't have to worry about being on desk, that I can sit in there and do everything I need to do. That helps. That must be a really you nice thing have, that, yeah, have, that have all that off, off desk time. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So, so one thing that some libraries do well and others maybe not so much is managing content for the library YouTube channel. So tell us what material makes it and who determines what goes there. So this we haven't officially launched yet. Uh, Travis Williams, who's also a library trainee like James, and I are looking to s- start it. And his motivation was he started a Level 100 Gamers, which is just basically the teens come and play video games. And which I learned is that teens like to watch other teens play video games, so he wants to be able to stream that. I would like to do video book reviews and longer videos that Instagram doesn't allow for that we could share on multiple platforms a lot easier. My inspiration came over the summer. The teens did a program through First Tee Golf at Eisenhower Park, and two of the teens were like recording each other. So I was like, that would be really cool to post on YouTube and then have the teens talk it up for next summer. That's a great idea. That's a good idea, yeah, absolutely. Because if they like to watch it, it's just another draw to get teens into the building. Because now they'll see what you have and then they'll want to come and play too and maybe even contribute to it, right? Yeah, that's the goal. And then just slowly build it over time with different videos. And if we ever want to post anything fun... Like when some of, like one library, I forget which one it was, did like their own take on Baby Shark when that was popular. So like we could have done that and posted it. When that was popular? (laughs) (laughs) Is it dead yet? I don't think it's dead yet. It keeps changing. It's in my house. I know that. Well, when it was at its like peak, (laughs) where everyone was making their own version because it was the In My Feelings challenge, and then they were doing Baby Shark 2 in like instead of In My Feelings, a lot of them. So. Let's hope that disappears pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) On to the next thing, right? And speaking of on to the next thing, let's uh, switch over to children, so Michelle and James. Um, So in this new world where screens are the new normal, would 
what are you working with kids with mindfulness? I know that's something that you guys are working on. Um, that's that's me. I'm the weirdo who brought mindfulness into libraries. <laughs> I personally was practicing it for I've been practicing it for over a decade now, um, and it's really helped me out with a lot of things. And I always thought, wow, I really wish I worked it. I knew this. I was taught this as a child, and kind of light bulb moment was. You work with children, so I wanted to do it correctly because I'm a huge nerd. So I went to mindfulschools.org and I did their Mindful Educator Essentials program, and then I did their year-long intensive instructor instructor certification program. Um, and now we run mindfulness programs, um, and I think it's it's important because kids are stressed out. The world is not very conducive to teaching kids self-soothing techniques and emotion regulation and all of that. And it's a technique that it's been proven to help with stress management. It has cognitive benefits. It has neurological benefits. It has social benefits, academic benefits. And it's, it's really great. I mean, we're not all mindfulness. We do have a dialectical approach, and we have a lot of other craft programs and stuff, too. But that is something that I do like to offer. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard many libraries doing mindfulness for children. I don't know of I mean I've heard of some programmers that come in and do it but I haven't heard of any other librarians who are doing it so if anyone's listening to this and they're a librarian who does it then <laughs> please contact me because I would love to hear your ideas um, it was just kind of something that I offered as a one-off program at one point and the kids loved it and the parents loved it and I thought oh I should probably do more of this but if I'm gonna do more of it I should do it correctly um, so that's when the mindful schools came in. And now it's something that I offer semi-regularly. And starting in April, we're going to have a weekly program for our unwind time. And it's going to be mindfulness and um, relaxation techniques and sensory play and those kind of things. That's a great idea. should have that for adults, too. That's a- <laughs> Could use that. Well, that's... I'll, Sounds, I'll, I'll help you guys out too yeah, Valerie yeah. if you guys want to mindfulness <laughs> then, uh, you know we'll who I think of right away our favorite superintendent Mike Hines, Dr. Hines. Mike Hines from Patrick Medford yeah, yeah. That's right. he teaches I don't know if you're familiar with Mike he's doing that district wide in Pat Med as part so of like classes and, all the elementary and schools gym. are doing mindfulness a lot of schools are, are bringing it in yeah. and that was actually um, like I, I know some people who are teachers who are trying to implement it in their classrooms yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have a classroom, but I have kids, so I'm going to implement it with my audience, too. Same difference, right? So, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Life's in the classroom. <laughs> so we should get Michelle, Dr. Hines. We, there's a couple others. Yeah. Mindfulness Yeah, it's podcast. We, can all, we can all network. Yeah. We have a mindfulness it's, summit. Yeah. It's, it'll be we'll very We'll start with sad. a podcast, then do the summit. Yeah, why not? We'll get Mike back in. I'll bring my glitter bottles. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> the glitter. <laughs> glitter trail. <laughs> So tell us about your STEAM-related clubs, and you, you folks also have a children's book discussion. Is that right? Um, we have a whole bunch of stuff. We have crafts. We've got story times. Um, but in addition to the mindfulness, we're also big on access access to technology. Um, James, did you want to chime sure, in? Sure, of course. So we have 
um, a big array of just technology-based programs. Uh, we have Spiros, these little tiny robots that the kids can code using different markers. Uh, oh no, those are the Ozobots. The Spiros are just the little circles that like you, you just drive all over the place with the iPads. Yeah, those we have the Spiros, where the round guys, which you code with iPads, and yeah. the Ozobots you can code with computers or with the markers. We have Bloxels, where they can create their own video game, and uh, a lot of different you know, just technology-related programs. And we have a chess program where kids come to learn how to play chess, which apparently increases, like, their math and reading abilities at the same time playing. Um, just last night, we had a regular craft. It was Winter Slime, my first solo craft at Uniondale. <laughs> also, my highest-attended program ever. It was slime, right? It was slime. It was, yeah. With but glitter. Slime is also With kind of With like glitter. steam. Yeah. Yes. So yes, you, got, you got the steam, but yeah. you've also got a mess. And you yell slime, like and you'll get every cleanup. kid yeah. in the district yes. over. Oh, yeah. Yep. Last, very, very, very busy. But And uh, we're starting a book discussion in uh, the summer, hopefully graphic novels, and we're trying to entice the kids with pizza so that there they will come be pizza sign up. and uh, we're just trying to hit all the grounds in children's so tell me more about the book discussion because this is intriguing to me because i mean it, it's always easy to attract adults to a book discussion oh, yes. <clears throat> i mean graphic novels is a great getting your foot in the door and pizza always helps yes so um i have i've not been at uniondale for too long to remember their previous book discussions uh, but I, I believe snacks were involved, but I feel yes. like we should up it up with pizza, you know, something like an actual, like, substance. Not that snacks are bad, you know. Yeah, no, we, I mean, I used to run a book discussion for fourth and fifth graders, and I had to get really creative to get the kids in the door. And uh, I was, at one point, we did No Talking by Andrew Clements, and I did a silent, not silent, but we had to follow the rules of the book to conduct the book discussion. And um, but we we only had like bagged snacks, so James asked if we could get pizza, and the director seemed on board, so we took the maybe as a yes. So yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're getting pizza. Yes, and uh, graphic novels just seem to obviously be one of the most popular genres in children's and probably youth services in general. And I see it is it's very easy for some of the younger kids in second grade. They read the same books as the kid older kids in fifth grade. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can try and get this group of kids and try and pick a graphic novel based on like I don't know just a new graphic novel new popular novel that I see people taking out and try and get them to come talk about it maybe make a craft about it you know and then of course pizza so that they show up hopefully so we'll see so we'll be talking about Aquacorn Cove right? yes we'll be talking about Aquacorn Cove uh, it just it came out I believe in October uh, of 2018 and I really enjoyed the graphic novel and I definitely recommended it to a few patrons that have checked it out and told me that they really liked it so hopefully we can get people to come to that and have all my kids that I've already recommended to also come and, and talk about what they loved about the book. It's a great idea. And pizza. And pizza. And pizza. <laughs> pizza, no glitter, glitter, and well, slime. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> you can hand out little pieces of slime while they yeah, talk while about they, the book. Yeah. It's and that whole, what do they call it, mindfulness? Not it's mindfulness. Sensory. It's sensory. It's sensory. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. That's what my kids keep saying. Dad, thing. I need the sensory putty. Do you really? Uh... <laughs> so... Let's talk about chicks and butterflies. Well, we have we did our chicks last year. We do it through Cornell Cooperative Extension, um, their embryology program, where we hatched chicks. We had a dozen eggs, and I believe we got eight chicks. 
Um, so we're picking up our chick eggs on April 2nd this year, and we are going to be live streaming them on YouTube and on our social media. So if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, shameless plug at UPL <laughs> underscore kids or Facebook is at UPL child. Um, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff happening. Love so. the plugs. Yeah, that's just it's shameless great. right got, here. Absolutely. We, get it, you know. we need followers, <laughs> and we're going to have chicks, and they're really cute. They are very um, cute. And it's going to be our first year having butterflies. That was actually James's idea. Yes, that was. It, well, it wasn't. It was heavily inspired from my other library, Baldwin Public Library. I worked there just for a, a little bit in their children's department. They they had um, the caterpillars, and they raised them from butterflies. Uh, one of the librarians, Tamalee Young, she was so amazing, and she would go and and harvest milkweed and she would look for the eggs on the the leaves and raise the caterpillars literally from hatchlings until they made it to you know adulthood and uh it was really really amazing the kids really loved it and i was like i'm definitely going to try and bring this here at uniondale and i didn't no one said no yet so I'm (laughs) (laughs) i'm definitely bringing the butterflies hopefully around june in the beginning of the summer maybe not too long like maybe june to like the middle of july but definitely going to have as many caterpillars as possible monarch butterflies and i'm also looking into swallowtails so should be fun yeah that's because kids a lot of times they do get the steam but they don't necessarily get the nature aspect of it so i feel like got to balance the mindfulness the technology the live animals just bring everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. now when you stream on youtube how do you keep the the, the screen from time or the YouTube from timing out? Um, that's something that <laughs> last year we had to reset it quite a bit. Um, we had the live stream and it would we were checking it from home and sometimes it would work and sometimes it would just it would time out and we just have to reset it. Um, so that's not something that we have perfected yet, but hopefully we will perfect it this year. And then uh, <laughs> everyone can watch our live streams and check out our chicks. That's really cool. So I'm just thinking about streaming YouTube and how to do it. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're actually going to be timing it so that the chicks hatch over the school break. Yes. They're anticipated. Um, we, you, you can't always predict nature, but they're, we're picking them up April 2nd, and their anticipated hatch date is going to be probably April 23rd. Um, so look for our chicks. During winter break, we'll have our brand new baby chicklings. And chicklings are the A few libraries do that. Yeah, I know Pat Med does it. Longwood does it. Um, they time it with the break, though. That's the time smart. with the break, that's that's really that's, brave. That's smart, yeah. That's, that's, we haven't decided if it's smart or dumb yet because we <laughs> can't get really excited. So yeah. that's, it might be smart because it'll draw people in. It might be dumb because we're already going to be mobbed. So you can have baby we'll, chicks we'll on figure the side it out. If the hatching doesn't work Yeah, exactly. Out, have them on the side. Oh, yeah. Look, they hatched. And, you know, it's not just all about the chicks. We also have um, a display that shows, you know, when, when we got them and what day, the incubation day, what their what day it is so that the, you can see what the embryo looks like inside because the kids are just looking at an egg until the chick hatches so they really get the science aspect of that yeah that's we made a whole thing on, on the chick development poster and we had, it says like today and then we'll pull it to point to it this is what's going on t- inside the egg today that's it's neat. growing its eye it's growing its wing or you know whatever the current stage of development is and it's not just for the kids because we found that we put um, a sign up 
at the uh, at the circulation desk that said, you know, accounts at, you know, how many days until we hash. And we found that we had adults come over to the the children's room to see what was going on with the checks. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It really is. Okay, Bob. That's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the adult department. Uh, one-on-one tech appointments are the new normal for adult reference. And tell us about your guidelines and how much time you make your appointments for. Uh, so generally, our lot around 30 minutes for the appointments. Um, and the topics vary from, you know, just basic help or I don't know how to use my smartphone or I don't know how to download apps or I need to learn how to download ebooks and audiobooks or things like that. Um, or most recently, someone needed help figuring out how to fill out their uh, Excel timesheet. They had no idea what they were doing. Um, so it can really vary. Um, and it's, I would say it's mainly older patrons, uh, but not entirely. Um, and I think they just need someone who will walk them through, will sit with them, someone who's maybe not a family member, that's who maybe that, has exactly. a say, yeah. little more patience with them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say that's the key. How many, uh, how many requests for adoption have you gotten? And, and, not so far. People have tried to slip me money, and I've had that, definitely. Yeah. Um, but no, no requests so far. No. That's always funny when you hear that. Oh, can I adopt you? No, you can't. No. No, it doesn't work like that. Uh, so let's see. Um, so do you have any, like, just to go off-road for a sec, do you have anything that you don't do when it comes to one of these 30-minute appointments? Like, do you not handle flip phones or, you know, I, somebody bringing in a BlackBerry playbook or uh, <laughs> something like that? I can't say I've had any really off-the-wall requests. Like, it mainly is just... Smartphones, basics. I don't know what a browser is. Can you show me how to <laughs> shop on this website? Or um, really like a wide variety of things, but all within the normal range. So I can't say no one's brought in like a BlackBerry or. Well, let no me flip. ask you this too. Do you have a policy in, in place for people who want to do like a GoFundMe or something like that? Do you help with that, or do you kind of like keep hands off with something like that, like integrating their Facebook with a GoFundMe or setting up a GoFundMe? Oh. um... Honestly, that's never come up. Uh, nothing in that range. Um, I hadn't even thought about it, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we could certainly, I could certainly help walk someone through the process of something. Um, but as far as, you know. Getting down to the monetary end of it. Right, that yeah. would really be on them. And I could sort yeah. of guide them, but beyond that, right, not so much. Okay, so as libraries um, do these tech appointments, they eventually evolve into tech classes when you get the same question a thousand times. Um, Tell us about some of the tech classes that you offer. Do you do like an iPad set of classes, an Android set of classes, and that kind of thing? Uh, Absolutely, yes. So we just had an Android class a month or two ago, um, which I did. Um, We offer, you know, Android, iPhone, all the basics, intro to Windows 10, um, and then just sort of like general computer tips class about file management, downloading, deleting, um, and hopefully we'll expand out into more topics and things like that. But yeah, we offer a wide variety, and we also have just a regular basic computer class because I would say a lot of the need, um, just from working in reference and dealing with the patrons, a lot of the need here, the computers are really heavily used here, um, and a lot of people just need like very basic help um, and related to getting uh, back in the job market or resumes or... Um, how to fill out online timesheets and things like that. So a lot of basic stuff. Uh, yeah. Cool. 
Do you do a cut the cord class at all? I've seen those. A lot of libraries not, are starting uh, to do that. I've been thinking yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Yes, I have seen that pop up elsewhere, yeah. uh, and I've watched a couple online. Um, so eventually, we might we might give it a There's shot. A lot of yeah. demand for that. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, started definitely. one in Setauket, and believe it, I didn't think there'd be room for it, um, but a lot of people showed up, and we've had yeah. classes with 25, 30 people in there. No, relatedly, um, we're um, yeah. thinking about circulating Roku's soon, yeah. hopefully, so that yeah. ties in. It's a big hit Library over, over at Sageum. Yeah. We, have, we, we circulate yeah. the uh, Roku's, and I know Connectquat circulates iPads mm-hmm. with both Hulu and um, Netflix. Netflix on it. I tried, HBO, HBO I tried Go, to push too. that. And HBO um, Go, yeah. and they're, used, they're recycling their old iPad 2s, yeah. so iPad 2s really can't, you know, handle the load playing in children's or doing some of the other stuff. It still works mm-hmm. really well with streaming. So they've been able to repurpose their rolled iPads for that. For that. Okay. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So it's just a nice extra alternative if you have a bunch of iPad 2s laying around. Yeah. Or yeah. iPad minis or, you know, and if somebody has the ability with a smart TV to, to mirror their screen, now they have it on their screen and they don't have to pay for the subscription. So it's a good idea. Yeah, I, I tried to push that. Well, so we'll see. I think we're still in the talking stages on that. Yeah. What do we do? We do Fire, the Fire Stick, the Roku Sticks, and we do uh, Chromecast, Google Chromecast. Mm-hmm. We show that. That's pretty much. Um, and so, yeah. And it's funny how it's this is all evolving in libraries now too. We're mm-hmm. we're, we're making these services available where it, it's more than just DVDs now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we recently started offering video games. Uh, I know that's a lot of libraries offer that now, but um, we just sort of recently got into it. It's going really well. They're very popular. Um, and, you know, obviously video games are very expensive, yeah. um, give people a chance to try them out before they buy them. Um, so that's going really well. And we're starting to build that collection, definitely. So are you guys circulating any tech like hotspots and Kindles and other sort of devices like that? We do, yeah. So we offer Kindle Fire tablets uh, that come preloaded with eBooks. Uh, we also offer hotspots that we just started I want to say over the summer, I think, um, and that's gone really well. They're never here, so we always have people asking. That's great. Um, so my hope is that we push for more hotspots. Um, yeah, definitely. Did you get through the hotspots? Did you get that through a program or some sort of like through T-Mobile? Te- T-Mobile. Okay, yeah. Cool. So, um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, tell us about the book clubs that that you have and, and the fan club. That's really interesting too. Okay, we have multiple book clubs. I run a nonfiction book club. Um, So far it's been meeting every other month. I try to pick titles that I think are timely and I often prepare background materials uh, to kind of fill in the gaps a bit and encourage discussions. I distribute them as people sign up for the club. Another librarian runs a mystery book club She's been doing it for a long time and has a pretty regular clientele. And then there's another one that uh, is largely fiction, but also sometimes works in nonfiction titles as well. And I think with all of them, after a while, you start to get a regular audience and they become comfortable with one another and with the moderator. FAN stands for Favorite Author Network. And we prepare a list of popular fiction authors and distribute them to patrons who are serious readers. They can check off up to, I believe it's 15 authors. And then what I do is regularly monitor these authors and every time they publish a new book, uh, 
I automatically reserve copies for everyone in the club who has signed up or checked off that particular author. So the patrons don't have to run to the library, read the New York Times reviews or anything, and find out when their favorite authors are publishing. Uh, we do it for them, and they just get an email or a phone call saying the library's holding the new James Patterson book or Heather Graham book or whatever, and they just come in and check it out. That's cool. It is. That's a good idea. I like the fan club idea. So I guess tell us about what ESL resources you have here at Uniondale and for non-English speakers. And you have a pretty uh, robust uh, list of services. We do. We do. Um, the main languages in our community are English, Spanish, and uh, French and Haitian Creole. So we have books for all ages in those languages. We also have uh, videos. in we all, And we also have uh, – so I – think early literacy is very important so we have a large collection of juvenile books in languages other than English and we also have books for learning English and we have a great uh, database called Pronunciator which you can use to learn English from home they have an app so you just come into the library create an account and say I speak I want to learn and it's excellent we have partner with an organization called Literacy Nassau, which serves all of Nassau County. They're based in Wanta, but they teach English classes here, so they, they use our space. And I, in addition, I teach English conversation here three times a week. It's open to everyone, speakers of any language. You don't have to live in, in Uniondale. You can be visiting, and that's um, currently Mondays and Wednesdays in the morning and Tuesday night. I also, um, I've taught computer classes in Spanish, and I also... Um, do sometimes do teach computer classes as Valerie said there's a great need for computers I another thing that I do for new Americans is I explain the citizenship process we don't provide any direct services but I will explain about the test and then we'll refer them to an organization in Nassau County that can provide them free legal help okay now let me ask you a question about um, your non-traditional non-english speaking uh, patrons who come in uh, when they come to the desk for help is there anything you, that, that is easy to use like a Google Translate or something like that to help with communicating with people who are not English speakers so I so the ones that I saw I speak Spanish fluently so if they speak another language I use Google Translate in my class when I teach English conversation so um, for people who perhaps speak uh, French or Haitian Creole I Will um, I use that sometimes? Mm -hmm. I've used that a lot too because uh, we have a, lot, a large Portuguese community right. and uh, Chinese, Turkish, and uh, Urdu. So it gets it gets kind of crazy sometimes at the desk because you have to be able to maybe their English skills aren't really great. Right. They're, they're they're good, but they're not great, and you just can't make that yeah. connection. So Google Translate really does yeah. help a lot. Yeah, I haven't used it. Go ahead. I just wanted to chime in, too. We're also very fortunate here that a lot of our coworkers are from the community, and they're native speakers of Spanish, or we have a few who speak Haitian Creole. So, like, if, they, if a person comes to the teen space or what have you, I have a library aid, a computer page, people around that we can pull on. So that's, that's just another resource. Another resource, yeah, right. sure. Right. We do have staff. 
staff is the best resource. <laughs> um, one thing that I wanted that we wanted to mention um, that some of us at the table participate in some it's called uh, Union Dallas Violent Intervention Partnership, and they meet at the library. A lot of community groups actually hold their meetings at the library, but. Um, UVIP meets once a month, the first Wednesday of every month here at 11, and it's run by Strong Youth, which is an organization based here in Uniondale. I don't know. Have you guys heard of them? No. Okay. They're great. And so they host, they lead the meeting, and we um, just go around the table and give updates. Other uh, groups and organizations that serve Uniondale will go around and say what's going on, and it's a great time to say, you know, I'm interested in doing this, and I'm looking for this, and then invariably somebody at the table has an idea of where they can you know get that resource that they're looking for sounds like a great service yeah it's great it's a great organization to really work together we're you know we're all working together so we can and we're, so we're all using that time to share ideas and help each other and we also use it to promote our programs within the other organizations the other groups that sounds like a really good program okay so um we're going to take a quick break. I want to say thank you to everybody for coming in today, uh, or for letting us come to you, actually. And um, it sounds like you guys do a lot for your patrons. They're very, very lucky to have you guys. And when we come back, after we take a short break, we're going to be asking our group our top 10 library questions, or what we like to call the 032 list, which is the Dewey number for top 10 lists. And we always have to give credit to our friend Melanie Cardone from the Longwood Public Library for naming the list of questions that we ask all our guests. So we will be back in just a moment. Yeah, sure. Dragging the microphone. Dragging the mic. Yeah, that's that, that sounds yeah, wonderful. Ready. Yeah. Good job. Right Real professional. Good job. Yeah, I saved it to the end at least, right? Of course. So we are back with Santisha, Amanda, Michelle, Ditton. I'm not going to say it. Michelle, James, Valerie, Robert, and Deborah from the adults. Yes, because I put it in twice. You did. I did uh, again. No, no, I'm fired. No. Can I do that? You can if you want, no. but then you have to run the board. No, thanks. So then um, <laughs> they'll all be our next participants in the 032 list. Questions in our list were inspired by Literary Hub and recommended by Melanie Cardone, right? Yes. 11 bucks. Oh, um, we haven't mentioned our friend. Michelle? El- no. No, Michelle. Ellen Druda. Ellen Druda, that's right. And $11. Nick Tansy. And Nick Tansy, there's a dollar. Nick Tansy, there's a dollar. <laughs> Nick's so far down on the list, he only gets a buck. I know, right? He's so got to work question, his way up. The questions in our list were inspired by Literary Hub, an informative, library-related news site that has stories and interviews related to library land. You can see their work by visiting lidhub.com. Visit their site because they educate and inform the library world on great topics from all over the world. Thank you, Literary Hub. Okay, so remember, we're not going to hold you to the answers, but it's just a fun list and we'd like to ask everybody. So we'll just go one, one question and just go around the table, okay? So what did you want to be when you were a child? Santisha? A nurse. A nurse. Amanda? I wanted to be a teacher, except for the brief like day where I wanted to be a professional violinist and then realize I'd have to practice. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle? I'm a teacher and a veterinarian. 
James. According to my kindergarten yearbook, it says Pokemon Master, but I already <laughs> checked that off the list. So, um, teacher. Teacher. The second one, yes. Valerie. Um, I don't know. I don't remember what I really wanted to be when I was a kid. Um, maybe something with music. I, I liked music, so I probably had like a vague idea, but not a specific profession, I guess. Bob? Uh, a baseball player. And Deborah? An astronaut. Okay, so what is your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? Hey, look at this. I know. I stole, I stole your thunder. It's I'm sorry. Letters, you're four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You read it now. No, that's ridiculous. Then you read the next one. I uh, Maybe. You read the next two. Have Fine, that? I'll do that. Excellent. Then i got to say all their names again. <laughs> uh, jokes on you. <laughs> all right, Satisha, you're up. All right. My first memory at the library, Freeport Memorial Library. It was in the old, the original building. The children's room was in the basement, and I was checking out a Peanuts book, Charlie Brown and Lucina. I don't remember who bought me because we lived north of Sunrise, and the library was south of Sunrise, so we didn't go that often because, you know, hit by a car across the Sunrise Highway. It might have been my mom, but I think it was a neighbor. But I definitely remember being in that basement. Okay, Amanda, you're up. Okay, so I've been going to the library since before I can remember. My mom would bring me because we could walk there from our house, and it was a free thing to do. And I don't really like remember what I did first. I went to story time with Miss Betty, who then was my boss later, which was a little weird. That the woman who used to read me stories is now like my the director and my boss. Uh, yeah, but I grew up in East Rockaway Library, which is part of the reason I need to spread my wings. <laughs> Okay, Michelle. Um, I, my parents brought me to the library. Again, like Amanda, I kind of grew up, so I don't really know what my first time there was. But my first very clear memory is waiting at the Freeport Memorial Library, like Santisha, that was my home library, um, to check out a CD-ROM to play on their computers. And you only had an hour. And <laughs> that was like when, like... It, it was it was a really cool thing that like you could like give your library card and you could use their CD-ROM for an hour. So now I feel old. Was it Magic School Bus? <laughs> it wasn't Magic School Bus. It was some math game like Math Blaster. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was cool. Okay, James, you're up. Okay, so Oceanside Library is my home library. It's always been my home library. And I remember distinctly going there with my mom and my younger brother. And there used to be a Walgreens across the street, so she would always get us candy while we got books. And I don't remember the first, first time we went, but I do remember literally everybody that worked there. I worked with them 10 years later, and it was very weird to remember all of the children's librarians when I was younger and how they would help me find books. And then... I am now on a like professional like working relationship with them uh, until they all retired, which is fine. People got to retire, and uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> he's not better. It was good, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Valerie. Yeah, I think my earliest memories of going to the library um, are going to get movies with my mother. Uh, so it was probably either Glen Cove or Levittown. One of those was probably the first one. Bob? I grew up in Uniondale, and I went to the original Uniondale Library, which was actually located in a former church building across the street from our current location. Uh, 
I assume first few times one of my parents took me, but um, certainly by the time I was in high school, I would go by myself. My hometown library is also the Oceanside Library, and I remember going with my mom and my sisters. You can read the next one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, when did you decide to work in a library? And if not, what was your first career path? I would, uh, I would have to say after I earned my undergraduate degree, because my degree was useless, it was in sociology slash anthropology. So I thought about my very good friend, Mary Robinson, who started as a page at Freeport Memorial Library. Now she's all, she does something with community outreach. She's fluent in Spanish now, and she's learning Chinese and it seemed like the library was has always been good to her. And then I also reflected back on my high school librarian, Mr. James Crittenden. He was the first African-American librarian I had ever encountered. And he always made the library at the high school a safe space. I mean, the high school, I mean, it's just, I was all right. No one bullied me or anything like that. But I just knew that I could just go always, always go to the library and kind of just chill and, and be myself. So I thought about those things and I decided, you know what, maybe I should do that. Plus, if you're in a public library, it's usually a civil service position, so it takes a while for them to fire you and stuff. So I figured there was a measure of job security. It can be a safe space, yeah? That's yes. Right. <laughs> Amanda? All right, so for me, this is my first career and hopefully my only. I decided in my second year of college to become a librarian. I just wasn't working out with my major, and I was... And after, like, discussing it with my mom and other people, settled on librarian. So I got my undergrad in a useless degree and went on to grad school. And Michelle? Um, I actually, three-quarters of the way through my first master's degree, <laughs> I, I was studying um, psychology with a concentration in developmental psych. So I knew I wanted to work with children. Um, so my first career path, I was going to either be a school, psycholo school psychologist or a child psychologist. Um, but I decided it was too heavy for me, and I kind of had a quarter-life crisis. And my mother and my best friend had both separately in separate conversations suggested that I become a children's librarian instead. And I didn't really realize that that was a job possibility, which sounds <laughs> terrible. But I was like, that would actually be like a perfect job for me. So, yeah, I was three quarters of the way through my psych degree. I did get it, though. <laughs> like the quarter life crisis. Did you catch that? Quarter life I did, crisis. Yeah, I had yeah. a quarter life so crisis. Great. I dyed my hair pink and everything. It was that's great. terrific. So if Julie gets off the rails, you just tell her. Like, oh, that's yeah, awesome. It's a quarter, it's a quarter life, life crisis. crisis. Yeah. My daughter, <laughs> 17. It's a lot of fun. James. Okay. So um, my first job at Oceanside Library, I never, I didn't really know I wanted to continue the path of uh, librarianship um, until I we got a new head of children's, Chris Mara, who used to work here at Uniondale for a very long time, and she really, like, I was, you know, teetering on the idea of pursuing it, and I've had a lot of, you know, back, kind of backlash. It was a lot of like older librarians at Oceanside that were like, "Don't, don't do it. It's a terrible idea," <laughs> and it really, really, it really bummed me out because I thought I was like, "Oh, I, I solved it. This is what I want to do. Um, this is amazing. I don't have to." teach because I was just going to be a teacher and I didn't really want to teach and I'm glad I didn't have to and I'm glad everything's working out so far but I've been through a lot of other jobs while at Oceanside and I can say 100% certain that this is what I want to do. Yeah, you're so, one of us now. Yes. <laughs> Valerie? Um, 
when well like other people I kind of had a useless degree I majored in political science and um, I guess when I got out of college uh, I just had sort of a couple of clerical jobs for like a year a year and a half which were a little bit miserable um, and I did work in the college library um, so I just thought well I'll do that maybe um, so I went back to school uh, for that yeah and that was sort of how everything started Bob I took kind of a circuitous route. I started out in academia, then I went into initially college textbook publishing, branched out into other types of publishing, did that for many years, uh, decided I needed a change of pace. I'd always been a bibliophile and I uh, had spent huge portions of my life in libraries anyway, so I, I had an opportunity to go to library school. I took advantage of it, uh, started out in a university library, and then came to Uniondale part-time and now full-time. Deborah. So I have um, a master's in Spanish, and I was working as a Spanish teacher. And um, two of my very closest friends suggested to me and said, you know, we think you should go to library school. We think you'd make a great librarian. It had always been in the back of my mind, and I decided to make the, the, the change and go to library school. That's great. So James's favorite question is next. Yes. <clears throat> so excited. He's getting excited. I so can see it. Who is your favorite fictional librarian? Since he's All right. Technically, he's not a librarian, but I'm going to say Samuel Tarley, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. He's a he's in training to become a meister, a meister. Okay, yeah. But all of that knowledge is getting it from books. Like right. when he was the assistant to my, to Meister Amen. Like he's a librarian. So I'm that's the first. We've never had that one before. I am. We have a that winner is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I didn't think of him. Amanda. Uh, so my favorite, I guess I would have to go with Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. Uh, <laughs> We've never gotten that one either. Which one do? I, I, I may be a teen librarian, but part of my heart will always be in children's as well. Michelle. Um. Well, I I was I I like Twilight Sparkle as well, but I, I I have to say Mrs. Phelps, who is the librarian in Matilda, um, because she changed Matilda's life just by giving her books. James, calm down. Here we go. It's going to be okay. He's going to explode. <laughs> you only get one answer. I'm sure this answer has been shared across the podcast already, but um, Parks and Recreation, Tammy Swanson, and I just love that whole demographic of the show where the Parks Department just thinks that the library is filled with evil, corrupt people, and her character is completely bonkers, um, off the wall, and every episode that she's in, which is only a few each season, is definitely by far my favorite episode of that show in general. I don't know if we've had that. We haven't. You had haven't? That. Oh, everyone needs to watch it. I, I, think, think, so. I think we may have had that one or two times. Yeah, yeah. early That's on. okay, though. It's, it's maybe it's early on. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy one. <laughs> she's insane. <laughs> Valerie. Valerie, you're up. Um, well, the first one that came to mind was Giles from Buffy, I guess. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Bob? Yeah, I'm going to show my age. I don't know a lot of these characters. I remember Marion from The Music Man, which came out many, many years ago. Okay. That's the first as well. I'd sing the song, but then you probably have to pay for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah? I couldn't think of an answer for that one. Was oh, that why you were waving us off and we just called your name? Good. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Okay. You, you can talk again now. Okay, thanks, Bob. Okay, so what would you be doing if you weren't working in a library? You weren't a librarian, couldn't be a librarian, libraries didn't exist. What would you do? I probably would have put my foot 
down and got to the books and pursued law, social justice. And Amanda? I'd probably be a preschool teacher. It's one of the things my mom suggested that I be. Probably would have listened. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be working with kids in some capacity, either a teacher or daycare provider, provider or something. Yeah, I would definitely be a teacher. Um, I don't know, that's it. Just a teacher. Elementary school, probably. I don't know. I feel like I would get really burned out of, uh, with it over a few years, though, and have a career change, but I wouldn't know where to go. Got <laughs> um, I feel like maybe I might have gone back to school for computer science or something related to that. Um, I guess more of like a pipe dream job would be music journalism or political journalism, but it does not seem viable. For the most part. <laughs> a dying industry. I don't know. Yeah. Bob? Uh, college or university teacher and maybe from there branching out into some type of writing. And Deborah? I'd be an attorney. She knew, like right away. She knew. That she didn't know the other question, but she knew this one. But I wrote the answers down <laughs> on my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next question, we're about halfway through. What is your favorite section of the library? For me, it's the graphic novels because I've uh, I've always loved comics. I'm the youngest of six. I have five older brothers, so I was raised on Thor and X Men and all that other good stuff. And you had to be funny. It, I and guess. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go with Teen Space because I feel like we're in our own little bubble in mm-hmm. Teen Space, which is really cool. And I just really love reading teen books, and that's where they all are. Although I do love going and visiting them at Children's, <laughs> seeing what's going on over there. Yeah, that's my favorite section of the library is Children's. So just the whole Children's room. It's perfect. Period. Next. <laughs> I enjoy parts of the Children's room. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, Wherever no. Michelle is not. Yeah, no. It's good. I love graphic novels, so I like to visit Teen Space 2 and see what's going on there. I do enjoy the adult side video games, too. I like to watch our growing collection. Yeah. But children's, it's where my heart is. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the video game collection, too, because we're yeah. trying to push that now. So, yes, video game collection. <laughs> Bob? Um, adult nonfiction, particularly history, which is where my background is, and sports. For me, just as a patron, the new books, fiction and nonfiction, I like to you know look at them and to see what's there and to, so I can decide what I'm going to read next. Okay. With your infinite budget. Yes. If you had an infinite space and budget, what would you add to the library? Cintesia. A green space. A true green space. Buy out the parking lot, buy out Citibank, and do something like what you folks have in Suffolk County. I want a nature preserve or something. And we get more parking spaces, too, if you bought out Citibank, right? Yeah, right? No, that's going to be green. That's going to be green. green. Where do we get the park? It's going to be a garden there. We have a parking lot across the street. There's a municipal lot across the street. No, we didn't see that. (laughs) We didn't didn't know. We drove around for 10 minutes. We drove around in the same spot. Hopefully the van is still there. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda. Infinite space and budget. Well, the teen space would be like a thousand times bigger with all of my favorite books that I think the teens should read. Uh, and I would just like to have a completely STEM and art-related space for the teens that's out 24-7 just for them, where they're not fighting off the little kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and more author visits coming. That would, that's my budget. I would use it to have authors come like every month. Every day. Just, no, you gotta make it a little <laughs> it's special. It's an infinite budget. <laughs> but you still have to make it a little special. Well, just a little bit. Maybe every week. No, I'm just yeah. I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> I, I, I want a garden. I, wait, wait, put the blueprints away. You didn't have to bring blueprints away. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't help but I carry them around my pocket. Um, I, I would like a sensory calm down room. Um, I think that that would be great both for kids with special needs as well as kids who are just overwhelmed with homework or something. Um, I would also love to have a gaming room. I would love to have a green space with a garden. Um, maker space just I you can see my blueprint after the show (laughs) (laughs) I'm really big into the go green and I would love an an opportunity in a space to like have again like a garden and especially like to teach the importance of you know how 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 like delicate our environment is and our oceans and everything to teach like a wildlife and preservation and everything and of course expanding all the rooms that need to be expanded like children's and teen services uh video game room would be amazing so many great things so good valerie um Going back to the makerspace, I mean, we're in the early process of building a makerspace, but I think I'd want more space for it. Um, And I think I'd also love it if we had a computer lab on the main floor, uh, just because the one that we have is sort of all the way in the basement, down all the way at the very end of the hall. Um, So it would be nice to have one on the main floor, I think. Bob? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but the green space really sounds like a great idea, and I've seen libraries that have something like that. Beyond that, I think just expanding the adult collections, especially the uh, DVDs. And I, I was thinking more in uh, space that's versatile that can be you like repurposed. You know, thinking long term, if you if you're going to add space, you can use it this way and for the for this time. And then if you decide you want to do something else, you can rearrange it make it more flexible. But I really like the idea of the outdoor space. I like the idea of outdoor space, too. Sure. You guys just so. opened one in Sachem, right? Mm-hmm. We have a garden, sure. Yeah. That's cool. That's nice. So what do you folks absolutely love about your library? I would have to say it's dedication to, sound selfish, to teen services, in a sense from... The growth that I've experienced over the years to where now it's, um, you know, to have a staff of a team of a librarian and um, support staff dedicated to, to serving our teens. And also coupled with that, the sense of community here. Like I live right up the street and over the years you get to know folks and they get to know you. And the fact that, you know, my kids go to school with our, they're part of this library district, things like that is something that I think is valuable. And I absolutely love it. Amanda? I guess what I love the most is that so many people do use this library and it makes me feel like what I do is worth it. When I go, even if they're being a little loud, that we have teens who come in and use the space. And they just make me happy. Michelle? Um, I... I love that I have the best staff in the world. So thank you. Shout, shout out to my <laughs> staff. That's, no. No, everyone I have, I have the greatest staff and I, I love coming to work and getting to work with them. Um, and I also love being able to 
watch the kids discover the world around them. Because when someone comes in and you see them from when they're really young and then they you kind of watch them grow up, it's just it's a really cool thing. And they come back and work for you, right? It's, yeah, it seems, that, it seems to be the case, yeah. And then leave and go to another library that's better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Oceanside. We love you. <laughs> James? Um, yeah, no, working in so many different libraries around Nassau County, I really thought, um, you know, I pretty much pegged each library. But when I came here, it was such a different community. It's so focused on, like, tailori- tailorized like personal help to each individual patron that comes in and they're it's such a utilized library and the staff is so amazing and everyone makes me feel so wonderful about myself and my projects <laughs> and uh it really it's it's such a great library uh it's just wonderful it's great to yeah. Valerie? um yeah uh so sort of going back to what amanda said um that the library is so heavily used. I've worked in smaller libraries before where it was just very quiet. Um, And I just like the pace. It sort of keeps you on your toes, uh, keeps you moving. Um, I really like that about this library. Yeah, same thing here. Uh, When I was young, library was a place I went for books, and that's how I thought about it for a while. But now we offer so many services and resources, help people with all kinds of issues, while still fulfilling the traditional librarian role. And I I just like the idea that we're able to contribute so much to the community and help our patrons in so many ways. That's great. Deborah? So I go last. <laughs> so maybe... I might repeat it, be repeating some answers, but I really enjoy working here. My colleagues are great. I enjoy working with them, and I really like the sense of community working here. I really like the patrons are wonderful. Okay, so this is one of my favorite questions. Now, keep in mind, we don't have an explicit rating on, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> you will actually today. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the weirdest, not necessarily worst, because we all have the worst stories, but one of the weirdest things that's ever happened while you're working here at the library. It doesn't have to be this library, just your experiences in, in the profession. Santisha? I'm thinking, you might have been here that day, Michelle, when those two pigeons came out of nowhere. They were flying around, and the custodians had, they went and found boxes to trap them. <laughs> and it, it was like... Was oh, this like a Bugs Bunny kind of thing with the stick and the carrot? And, yeah, or Abbott and Costello. Like, yeah. Like, trying to figure out the best way to do. It was the funniest thing, but well, weirdest thing. But they caught the birds and they set them free. Yes. No one died. It was a happy ending. Yes. (laughs) Amanda. So nothing weird has happened that I can think of since I've been here. But I'm trying to think at East Rockaway, there was a patron who wanted me to help them put an ad on Google. And let's just say it was an interesting person. So the ad could have only been really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I almost, if you don't have an explicit layer rating, I almost feel like I have to play the fifth on this one. Um, lots of weird stuff happens in public libraries. I, I feel like I, I constantly say we should be a reality show because you would not believe Anyone who does not work in a library would not believe some of the oh, stuff. Oh, it's such a nice, on. quiet place. You get to read books all be, day. You must be so relaxed. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's such a relaxing place. The real librarians no. of Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a show. That would be a show. No, it would be called Shappens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because it's, yeah, you know, like shush. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. If that gets bleeped out, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> 
James. I don't have any weird stories. I have gross, terrifying, <laughs> horrific, borderline illegal stories from all of my other libraries, so I'm going to have to pass on this one. But I do wow. have very interesting stories that just, they're not weird, they're just terrifying and awful. So We're going to do like an after hours episode. Yeah, right? Yeah, it, it, the whole episode would just be like horror just stories. just be me talking about all the horror stories that I Because <laughs> I have so many of them. Okay, Valerie, how do you follow that one up? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it positive weird, I guess. Um, so I, we, had, we had that dog just run in one day, right? Oh, I wasn't there that day, but the I heard. sort of captured it and oh, wait, yeah. brought in like a a cage for it. and I don't know, A cage? She had it in her car. She had it in her car. have a lot of wild animals here. And she's been waiting for this one moment. She kept the cage in for like 30 years in her car. Always ready for a rescue, yeah. So that was good weird. Yeah. Bob, yeah. yeah, I haven't been here that long, and I just couldn't remember something that I would categorize as weird. Either that, or I've blocked it out mentally. <laughs> <laughs> you mean around. nothing at the college has happened? It was strange or weird. Kids coming in at two in the morning, you know, trying to study for finals in their pajamas and they're on backwards or something. Uh, I don't work there two in the morning. So <laughs> <Nice>. I, <laughs> I don't have anything for you. <laughs> All right, so this can um, this might be an extension of the weird question, but who is your favorite regular patron? All right, so um, for me, it's really a whole family, and I just have so much love for this family because um, sometimes you may hear about an area, Uniondale, Hempstead, whatever, and get a certain idea or picture in your head about like these downtrodden people or what have you, but I'm just thinking of the Harriet family where they have about three boys, one girl. Mom is a nurse. Dad's an engineer. Um, the two boys are in school to become engineers. The second boy just left for Vanderbilt. This is his second year. Like, they're a beautiful family who they raise their children in the library. And they also know I like curry goats, so every time the wife cooks, she hooks me up. But that's, um, they're like my favorites because they're just like, again, part of that community, that sense of community and a positive example. Amanda? Uh, you want me to pick just one teen that's my favorite? <laughs> it's, it's really hard because there are so many wonderful teens that come in to this space. Carlos, Danielle, Miley, um, Diane, Rena KJ. There's Habaku. Oh. I love saying his name. <laughs> it's really fun. Santisha's um, daughter is just like, they're just, there's so many wonderful teens. We have again. I I feel like that's that's not a fair question. I have I have so many great kids that I work with, and they, I just I I really can't pick just one. One of my favorite um, interactions, though, one of my favorite reference questions, going off off topic, is one little girl who is going to be president one day um, asked me if dogs had people mouths. Could they talk? And that was her reference question. And that's cool. um, and. She found out that dogs do have in a speech column. So these are the kinds of kids that I work with. There, these are the kids that are going to be running the world. Yeah, James. I have two, Jordan and Jace. Unlike Michelle, I haven't been here as long, so I <laughs> he has favorites. <laughs> I do have favorites. Jason, Jordan, their brothers. They were at our, my Pokemon club with Travis Williams. They're 
I'm sorry, I'm interrupting of you. Of course. But I'm, my husband is best friends with their father, yes. Fitzroy. He's yes. like, you see the community. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their kids are so yes. well-behaved. They're so wonderful. They were at part of our Pokemon club. They were in my winter slime. They're signed, they're signed up for so many of my other like programs. And, and it was so good to talk with them yesterday after Pokemon club. And they're... Um, they're they're quickly becoming my favorite two patrons because, again, I'm very new, so you know I don't have the pleasure of working with everybody. Well, I mean, they are yeah. very sweet. Yes, but I love them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Valerie. Um, yes, I was trying to think back. There was this regular patron, Eileen. I think her name was. I haven't seen her in a while, but um, she was just the nicest woman, and she I think she was going through a rough time, and she was always coming in working on her resume, and um, you know sending out for jobs and uh, yeah she was just a very nice woman Uh, some of the members of my nonfiction book club are coming on a regular basis and they'll come to the desk and chat about all kinds of things and uh, I I just happen to enjoy that because I feel that I'm established a rapport with them that maybe I don't have with a lot of other patrons Deborah. So I would say the patrons I interact with the most um, would be the people who come to my English conversation class or who come now or have come in the past. Okay, so our last question. What are people without library cards missing out on? Oh, gosh. All right, this is almost like a two-edged sword because what I like about Uniondale is that we want you to have a library card, but if you don't have it, we're not going to stop you from participating in our programs or we'll find a way for you to use our technology and what have you. But they should really get those cards because we have resources where they definitely need it, like the museum passes. Um, if they want to take that book or whatever, the hotspot. Yeah, that sounds so <laughs> The hotspot thing. <laughs> it's, it gives them access to information because library cards are an equalizing force. So it's free. Get that card and that way you won't miss out on anything. Amanda? Well, as we learned on Arthur, having fun isn't hard if you've got a library card. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but thankfully at Union Dallas and Tisha said there's still so much you can do with that one. But really, what they're missing out is just being able to, I guess, take the books home with them and be able to read on their own time and at their own leisure, just and not feel rushed during library hours and having to worry about the book being there. They're missing out on our launch pads, our uh, CD ROMs. Those, those we can't even keep on the shelves. They're just in such hot today. It's like Oregon Trail. Um, but I died of dysentery again. But um, no, I, I remember that. Like Santisha and Amanda did say, like we do allow anyone to participate in our programs. But checking out, we have tablets they can check out. We have box books. We have all kinds of stuff that if you don't have a card, you can't take it home with you. I don't know. I still find it hard to believe that people don't actually have library cards, but I know they're out there. It's just really a bizarre idea to me that, you know, if you live in a community that's, you know, has a free public library, why would you not? You know, it seems like it's 
like a self-explanatory you should just have a library card because there's so much access to the public library today along with you know the books the dvds video games the alert what's the um the databases the research databases online everything you can access from home oh and tutor.com is the one database where you have to have a library card to access it Mm -hmm. do you guys have brain fuse also we have job now uh yes okay because that's another great resource too yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. Sorry, James. I didn't mean to cut oh, no, off your thunder. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm done. Nice job, Chris. Yes. Okay, Valerie, you're up. I'll, I'll um, try not to steal your thunder. Yeah. That's okay. Um, yeah, well, like everyone else has said, basically, we do allow a lot of usage without the library card. Um, because we, do, we just have a lot of patients that don't bring it in. Or, um, But I guess what they are missing out on really is a lot of content. So we do offer a lot of you know, devices increasingly, you know, hopefully that's going to increase in the future. Um, so, you know, the hotspots, the Kindle tablets, um, and hopefully in the future, Roku's video games, DVDs. So there's all kinds of things that people just don't have access to if they don't get it. So. Bob. Uh, yeah, I have a background as an educator and academic. I'm a great believer in reading and acquiring information and the fact that people who don't have cards, as other people have said, can check out books. We also have magazines that can go out. We have newspapers that they can borrow and use in-house. Uh, you know, they don't have access to any of that. And also, someone mentioned the Museum Pass program. We have passes to a whole range of museums from Manhattan and the Bronx to Suffolk County. Uh, you check out the pass and you get in for free. It's a great family activity. And, uh, you know, to considering the card doesn't cost anything and then you can get into a museum for free, I think it's very disappointing when people don't take advantage of that. And that. Museum passes, tutor.com, and the ebooks and audiobooks. You know, you sh- you don't have to pay for a service. You can download ebooks. You can download audiobooks. Listen in your car. It syncs to your Bluetooth. I listen when I am at home, doing doing chores around the house. And that's something you need. Like like my colleagues have said, a lot of the things you can access without a card, but those are things that you can't access without a card. Exactly. Period. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Well. Thanks for being such good sports and, listen, and, and entertaining our silly list of questions because it's always a lot of fun. And thank you for having us here and, and, and speaking with us because this is always fun when we get to speak to colleagues, not necessarily from Suffolk County. So it's nice to, to reach out to Nassau because we're all doing the same thing. Um, and what's happening more and more is Nassau and Suffolk are starting to collaborate a lot more together, which makes so much more sense because we're all doing the same thing and there's no reason why we can't share our, our, our knowledge, our resources and quite frankly, friendships and, and developing relationships. So thanks for having us to come out. And this is really great. Thank you. Thank you for Thank coming. You. Thank you. Okay, so that's all the time we have for this edition. Uh, and if you have any questions or comments um, about our show, you can visit the contact us section of our website, thelibrarypros.com. We'll also have links and where's my sound for my music? Wow, that's low. That's better. So, yeah, we'll also have links to uh, everything we talk about today, and we have that for every one of our episodes. And don't forget to visit us on Twitter at, at The Library of Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the library of pros. 
And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend because uh, word of mouth is how people find out about us. So that's how our listenership grows. So tell your friends. And remember that the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and not those of the Sachin Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, any other libraries. We'll see you next time. Sorry, Carl. Brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the library pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.